This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hi, I'm Ron Paul, former congressman and presidential candidate. I'm here to tell you about a product that might just save your lives. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With this great product, you can freeze dry the food your family loves, and it will last for 25 years. Our ancestors preserved and prepared for difficult times, shouldn't we? To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-594-4635. That's 800-594-4635. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. America's founding fathers, admired and revered by generations of grateful Americans. But over the past 100 years, they have been increasingly disparaged by many as rich, white, uncaring, racist, and slave owners. Yes, some of them did, in fact, own slaves, as historian David Barton points out. Of the 56 founding fathers who signed the Declaration of Independence, we know that 15 of them owned slaves and did not release their slaves, did not want to release their slaves, and were what we would call, in effect, racist. That's 15 out of 56. That's not quite the majority. That's not quite all of them. That's not even close to being a majority of them. So how come we don't hear about the other founding fathers? Because that doesn't help the narrative of trying to separate America from our constitutional heritage and history. If we can attack and demean those who gave us the message, then we can reject that message. Thomas Jefferson, in particular, has been singled out as a hypocrite who spoke against slavery but didn't even free his own slaves upon his death. As if it weren't enough, the narrative goes on that he also took one of his slaves as his mistress and produced an heir, or even multiple heirs, with her. Those who believe these things about Thomas Jefferson are quite confident in their belief. They'll even tell you that there was DNA evidence to prove their claims. So let's begin with the obvious. America's founding fathers grew up in colonial America, under English tradition and English rule. The colonies were an extension of Great Britain. It was the British, not our founders, who brought slaves to this continent. And they did so for about 140 years. Thomas Jefferson grew up in the 1700s in Virginia, where landowners owned slaves. Jefferson began inheriting slaves at 14 years old. It was part of the colonial life in Virginia. Even so, as he matured and considered the issue, Thomas Jefferson became decidedly anti-slavery. But was he a racist? Was he a hypocrite? Many prominent Americans who should and do know better continue to propagate this insidious lie. One of the most egregious examples was Hillary Clinton, when she compared Thomas Jefferson to a woman who had advocated killing the entire black race and whose work has contributed greatly to 14 million black babies never being born and 55 million babies overall. Well, Congressman, let me say with respect to uh, your comments about Margaret Sanger, you know, I admire Thomas Jefferson. I admire his words and his leadership, and I deplore his unrepentant slaveholding. Was he unrepentant? Or were there other factors involved that never seemed to warrant any mention from his critics? David Barton. 
Okay, he did own slaves, but the racist and bigot stuff, if that's the case, then why is it for two centuries it was black civil rights leaders, black civil rights leaders such as Benjamin Banneker in the founding era who personally knew Thomas Jefferson? Why was it black civil rights leaders such as Henry Highland Garnett? And why was it black civil rights leaders such as Frederick Douglass? And why was it that Martin Luther King Jr. himself praised Thomas Jefferson for all of his relentless efforts to end slavery. Let's just establish right up front that one of the reasons Jefferson did not free his slaves was his state law would not allow him to do so. State law in Virginia was very clear. Jefferson writes about it, saying that the laws will not permit me to turn them loose. There were several laws that came into play. Jefferson started inheriting slaves when he was 14 years old. As a very young man, he inherited slaves. And the laws of Virginia stated that if you're in debt, you cannot free your slaves. Your slaves are held to be able to pay off your debt. Jefferson was, in today's dollars, $2.5 million in debt. So by state law, he can't free his slaves. Even Pulitzer Prize-winning historians who have written about Jefferson point out that fact that he could not free his slaves under that law. There was a law passed in 1782 that said you could emancipate your slaves on your death, but only if you're not in debt. He was in debt. He never got to free his slaves. That aside, still, why would black leaders praise him for his civil rights efforts? Because when he was elected to the legislature of Virginia and he took office in 1769, one of the first measures he introduced was to end slavery in the entire state of Virginia. He joined with senior legislator Richard Bland. They introduced a bill to end slavery, not just for his slaves, but for the entire state of Virginia. And they were so beat up and abused for introducing that law that the message became very clear. You will not speak out against slavery. But Jefferson continued to do so anyway. In fact, this most complex, conflicted, and hypocritical slave owner. He actually went into court on two occasions and fought for those who were identified as slaves. He fought for them to receive freedom. He pointed out that all men were indeed created equal, that they had equal rights under their creator. So he went to court to be able to do that. Then when he was elected to the Continental Congress, he introduced a measure to end slavery in all of the United States. Now, that measure failed by one vote. In his diary and memoir, he says, Oh, to God that he would have changed one heart, what one heart, one vote of one man would have done. And and he just laments that slavery did not get ended. As he continues after that, he seeks measure after measure after measure, both at the state and national level, to end slavery. He even got involved in international efforts to end slavery. As he was ambassador overseas in France, he was against slavery. Up to two weeks before his death, he was still saying there has got to be an end to slavery. As a matter of fact, the first book that he ever wrote was in 1781. It's called Notes on the State of Virginia. It was in response to 22 questions that had been posed to him by a French diplomat. At that time, Jefferson was serving overseas in France, and the diplomat asked him 22 questions. Jefferson wrote out answers to each one. That became the book. It's called Notes on the State of Virginia. In query number 18, he deals with the issue of slavery. Now, he's a slave owner. Virginia's a slave-owning state. He writes that the despotism that exists between a master and a slave owner is the worst kind, and that it's bad because it teaches children the wrong example. They see a master, they see a slave, everyone should be equal. He writes about how that is bad to create classes of distinctions, 
and how bad that is for the manners and morals of the country. And then he predicts that America will have a civil war over this issue because God is not going to tolerate it. If you've been inside the Jefferson Memorial, you know that four of the five tableaus in there, all of his best quotes are very God-centered. And the one that most people probably recognize is the one that says, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure if we've removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they're not to be violated but with his wrath? I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and his justice won't sleep forever. He wrote that in regards not to national liberties, but in regard to slavery. He said, regarding slavery, can the liberties of a nation be thought secure if you lose the conviction that liberty comes from God? So he's arguing for slavery. He says, God's going to judge us. His wrath, you can't avoid his wrath on this. He's opposed to slavery. Some of the greatest pro-God quotes we have from Jefferson are actually in regard to his desire to end slavery. Then there's the persistent rumor that in the late 90s supposedly turned to fact. The story goes that Jefferson kept his slave, Sally Hemming, as a concubine and fathered at least five children with her. In 1998, an article by Joseph Ellis came out in the magazine Nature and Science that said DNA evidence had finally proven those charges. But in order to get DNA proof, you need a DNA sample from Thomas Jefferson, right? How did DNA prove that when they never used Thomas Jefferson's DNA in the testing? They forgot to mention that. As a matter of fact, that's why six weeks later, that story was retracted. And the man who did the DNA testing, Eugene Foster, did a second set of testing, and he said it was very clear the evidence did not prove that Jefferson had done that. He actually told Joseph Ellis that, but Joseph Ellis went ahead and wrote that Jefferson did it. Now, why would he have done that? Because at that time, Joseph Ellis was watching the impeachment of President Bill Clinton for sexual tirades that had gone on in the White House. Joseph Ellis signs on to a full-page ad of the New York Times opposing the impeachment of Bill Clinton. And so as soon as this announcement is made that Jefferson did it, DNA proves it, suddenly the line in the media was, well, Jefferson was a great president. If he had these sexual trysts, then what's the deal with Clinton? He shouldn't be held up to a standard any different from Jefferson. Now, 221 stories carried the headlines, Jefferson did it. And as a result of that headline, there were calls at that time to remove Jefferson's face off Mount Rushmore. There were calls to tie down the Jefferson Memorial. There were calls to take his face off the nickel. Six weeks later, when they retracted the story, only 11 news outlets carried the retraction. So to this day, people still think that Jefferson did it. Now, actually, what was in the DNA testing that no one talked about was the reason the DNA testing was done in the first place. And the reason you had the DNA testing was back in September of 1801, a man named James T. Callender wrote an article in the Richmond Recorder that says, well, everybody around here knows that Thomas Jefferson fathered children through Sally Hemings, and Sally Hemings named her first child Tom, which proves that it was named after Thomas Jefferson, and everyone says he has a striking resemblance to Thomas Jefferson. Sally Hemings had five children. Thomas was the first. And they used the descendants of Thomas Woodson, and they found absolutely zero Jefferson DNA in the Thomas family. The DNA testing definitely proved that the 200-year-old rumor was absolutely false. 
Furthermore, you find that the 200-year-old rumor came because James D. Callender asked for a position as Richmond Postmaster. President Jefferson said no to him. And Callender said, then I will make you pay. And he came out with that vicious rumor. And it's significant that even Jefferson's enemies never believed the rumor. Nobody believed the rumor until the 20th century when people said, oh, look, the paper said Jefferson did it, and they undertook the DNA testing. What the DNA testing did prove was that the fifth child, Essen Hemings, did have DNA genes from Jefferson, but they never tested Jefferson's DNA. They only tested Jefferson's uncle. There were 26 Jeffersons living at and around Monticello at the time, Ten of them were rumored to have been the father, and the one specifically they thought was the father of Eston Hemings even 200 years ago was Thomas Jefferson's younger brother, Randolph. All the DNA testing proved was that in the fifth child, there was some Jefferson DNA, but it wasn't from Thomas Jefferson because they couldn't test his DNA. They only tested the uncles. So that's the most that can be said, but that's not news because 200 years ago, it was already written that Randolph Jefferson, the younger brother, was the father of that child. So here we are today, and we get told exactly the opposite. Now, this is where it's interesting that after the DNA testing came out, there was a group of a dozen professors from very prestigious schools, from Harvard, University of Kentucky, University of North Carolina, Indiana University, etc., that were convened to look into all the evidence, the historical evidence, the DNA evidence, all the tracking they had, And several of those guys entered it saying, yeah, we believe Jefferson did it. At the end of the report, it was unanimous. They all said, we now believe Jefferson did not do it. Our founding fathers believed this nation would last only as long as our morality. So those who are seeking the fundamental transformation of America have been trying for a hundred years to cast doubt on the morality of the men who ingrained those principles into our society. And by doing so, they are then free to realize their agenda, destroying America's moral backbone, and thus, America herself. Next time, the attempt to impugn America's indispensable man, the only man ever elected to the presidency unanimously, twice. Even George Washington dragged through the mud. Glenn Beck. 